Hello and welcome to another episode of Witch Car Weekly. I'm at the offices of Open Corp in Melbourne and today I'm solo. I don't have my usual co-host because we've got a special guest today, Mitchell Creek, NBL star, basketball player, captain of the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Yep, that's it. Uh, a bit of a car guy, so we're going to have a chat to Mitchell about his story and sort of car culture in the basketball world. Today, Mitch. Great. Yeah, love it. Thanks for having me, mate. Not at all. So, Mitch... This is a car podcast, not a basketball podcast, but tell people a little bit about your story, how a kid from Horsham gets to, you know, top end of the NBL and the NBA. Yeah, so I grew up in country Victoria, a little town called Horsham, um, obviously a small population, probably 15,000, people, um, very small basketball community over there, uh, it was very much football and netball is what kind of took over, but... Uh, I moved away when I was about 16 years old, went to the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra, uh, spent 18 months there where I kind of developed um, into the very you know, initial phase of my basketball and career. Uh, I never expected myself to go and play professionally, uh, I never thought in a million years I'd be a captain or a franchise player in the NBL, let alone playing in the NBA or high level Europe. So uh, my journey wasn't always one that was just smooth and easy going with no bumps in the road, but for me, I signed in Adelaide um, when I was 18 years old for the Adelaide 36ers. Um, I was the last guy on the roster. I was an injury replacement for a guy and ended up signing a three-year deal. Um, you know, for me at the time, I, I didn't expect to be playing much. I didn't you know, realize kind of what I was getting myself into. There was always the college option, but I didn't go that route. I didn't want to go to the US college system and uh, I wanted to stay in Australia and closer to home. And uh, I'm really glad of my decision because I transitioned my way from the very last guy on the roster to you know seventh or eighth guy and then six men come onto the bench and starting some games and then starting all season to club MVP, fans MVP of the league and um, it was a really cool kind of transition throughout my years because over eight years that transition happened. So I wasn't the, the guru of the stud coming in, I was kind of the, the rookie youngster that uh, had a lot of talent, uh, I guess you could say, in a way, like there was a ceiling for me to get to, and I was able to achieve that. So uh, I was able to go to Germany after that, playing uh, the BBL, which is a, a big European league, and then I uh, came back to Australia for about two or three weeks and signed another deal in Germany, and then all of a sudden uh, the Brooklyn Nets called, and uh, NBA was kind of on the doorstep, and I'd done a few NBA summer leagues over in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the previous years and from there it was kind of the rest is history I signed two 10 days with uh, the Brooklyn Nets so I got to play uh, in the NBA with them and then I ended up getting um, kind of cut from there in my, in my second 10 day contract and then the, the Minnesota Timberwolves picked me up signed another 10 day and then actually signed to their full roster for the remainder of the season and then um, came back to Australia and uh, didn't get picked up for for the second year, which would have been uh, twenty late twenty nineteen mm-hmm. twenty twenty this year. Um, so yeah, I obviously missed out this season, but I had a really good contingency plan in South East Melbourne Phoenix, where mm-hmm. I was the, the captain and franchise uh, kind of face of the club, and the league did a great job of kind of helping us get off the ground, um, you know, from a marketing sense and bringing hype back to the league. So it brings me to today, um, yep. and. Look, you know, that's probably the quickest way to say what I've done and where I've gone, but uh, the last probably four or five years as well, um, for me, the pinnacle of it was playing for the Australian national team, um, the Australian Boomers. So yeah. um, was a part of, uh, unfortunately, not the last Olympic campaign, but the World Cup. Um, you played the, at Rod Laver, did you? On yeah, the, yep. so we played at uh, Marble Stadium. Yeah, sorry, uh, in Marble front Stadium. Of, you know, 55,000 people, oh, elevated right. floors uh, against Team USA. We were the first time we've beaten Team USA in, I think, 50 years. So... Mm-hmm. 
absolutely amazing uh, atmosphere, something to be a part of, um, you know, which was history. So uh, I've been very, very fortunate through a little bit of luck, uh, a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, but along the way I've had a really good time and, um, you know, tried to enjoy the finer things of life. Uh, well, that's, as a well. good, that's a good segue, the finer things in life. Uh, so growing up in Horsham, Country Vic, bit of a car culture there, Ford Holden Utes, that kind of thing? Yeah, it, it definitely was. Um, it was actually really funny because my sister's partner, when uh, I was a lot younger, had a, a VL Turbo. <laughs> right, okay. He had a, it wasn't the canary yellow like you see out of the YouTube um, funnies, but it was actually a fluorescent orange, you know. Yeah, right. Um, you know, this thing was, was pretty cool. You know, you do skids and wrap it sideways around corners and yeah. stuff like that. So that was always, you know, my initial ironing kind of thing to it. But I was on the farm a little bit. So mm-hmm. we had paddock bashes. We had Toyota Corollas, Magnus. Um, my mum had a two-door Daihatsu 18 in 1987 Daihatsu Charade. Beautiful um, card, one of those. Stick. Yep. Uh, and we actually, we had a huge, um, I guess, uh pipeline running through our property which created a big hump okay. which spread over about three meters so it was a little divot into it three four meter hump little divot out of it <laughs> and that eventually turned into what was uh the the reckoning of mum's charade which she knows about now she she yeah. was notified <laughs> a couple of years ago that it happened but we hit it How about was it about 80 yeah. and um we launched the absolute crap out of the car <laughs> and um we would uh yeah we really front-ended it they were obviously front-end heavy yeah. cars and really light the back so so what um, did you say to mum well we said uh, we didn't say anything at the time okay. we went and parked the car washed it really quick parked the car back <laughs> in the spot and then pretended like it never happened but uh we lost a few gears um we broke a few bits and pieces yeah. in the rear end and front end as well so um, it was safe to say that uh, I'm lucky it wasn't a, a really nice uh, Lexus or yeah. Audi or something like that. But um, yeah, she wasn't very happy and she knew something was going on for all those years. <laughs> so when when did you learn to drive? Being on the farm with paddock bashes and stuff like that? Was yeah, def- I, was, I was very young. Uh, as soon as I could have extended pedals and reach, um, yep. I was probably seven or eight years old. When did you go through your growth? Like, how tall are you now? Uh, I'm six foot six at the yeah. moment. Uh, I didn't really have a growth spurt until I was probably about 13 or 14, okay. got to maybe six foot, and then from there I kind of inched my way up over yeah, the next right. five, six years. So You went like a you went six foot tall. Nah, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a big giraffe okay. out of the womb, but um, yeah, it was, it was really cool because you know we had go karts, uh, yep. like a you know, hand built kind of go karts my dad and uh, best friend's father built. So we always had, you know, we had an old school trike and you know, things like that to kind of build around on. but. Cars were, were definitely my forte. Um, yeah, a bit know, of car in, control as well. Out in, in the, yeah, in the dirt. Uh, we learned how to reverse parallel trailers when we were probably double digits. Mm-hmm. Like, we could drive cars. So, uh, it's helped me this day and age as well. But, yeah, I, I was probably eight or nine years old when I really first started driving. Yeah, okay. So, as, um, you know, you told about your story, started with the, 30, um, the 36s, get your first contract. Do you go out and buy a car? Is that sort of... Yeah, yeah. I, my first contract wasn't flattering. No, uh, I, I think imagine. it was only about $38,000 a yeah. season. So that was 12 months of pay right yeah. there. And obviously, you're still paying tax and everything else. But uh, part of that was uh, I had a $5,000 net signing bonus. Mm-hmm. And that was meant to be for a $2,500 car, which would then translate into $2,500 worth of furniture, TVs, bed, stuff like yeah. that. Well, I went to the auction yard <laughs> and came home with a, a 200SX 
Yep, um, very good. Maroon two door um, turbo wastegate. You know, paid five thousand dollars for it. <laughs> there you go. Who needs furniture? So, my biggest mistake out of everything with that car was it was an automatic. Oh, okay, yeah. But I could still get that thing sideways. Yeah. A um, lot of fun. Had a really cool note. Looked nice. S fourteen. S fourteen. Yep. Um, yeah, it was really, really fun. It was my first kind of real car. Um, my first ever car when I went to Canberra to the AS, we actually bought a, a I think it was a, might have been an 84 Ford Laser hatchback. Yep. From the tip. From the tip. 150 bucks. <laughs> and it got stolen twice in Canberra. Then once it was left and dumped in a lake at the end of it. So oh, we were like, really? you know what, this is probably fate. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's a okay. But it got us around. It was the... It was the communal car. Um, yeah, it was the communal car. It was the put five bucks in the in the, the console and um, take the keys off my door and you can go and use it. So yeah, right. uh, we drove it to school, but then after about three or four months, the head gasket basically blown and uh, it was overheating twenty four seven. So I suppose once it went in the lake, that was uh, that was about it. That was about it. So <laughs> we drive it five minutes, it would overheat. You have to stop. But school was only five minutes away, so we were okay. But you pull up to school smoking, and you weren't doing burnouts. You were smoking from the hood, so it wasn't the cool kind of smoke, unfortunately. Oh dear. Uh, Justin, who I introduced us, um, mentioned that you had a G- so you're a bit of a Japanese car guy, GDR S14. Yeah, I've had. Quite a few Japan and kind of Euro cars. Yep. Uh, transition to more of a sensible car at the moment. I'm more into my motorbikes. Yep. Um, I find that the pace of a motorbike. Are you allowed to ride different. motorbikes in your contract? Uh, it's probably frowned upon. Uh, I'm also a solo skydiver. Um, oh, okay. And so I'm the motorbike's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a few things that I do on the side, which is um, probably frowned upon. Okay. But they're very understanding, and they yep. they know that it's a very safe thing for me to be doing. Yeah. I am um, very pedantic about being. Not just mediocre at something for fun. I want to be bloody awesome. I yep. really want to apply myself and get the most out of it. So, um, yeah, I had um, like GDR. We had a G35, mm-hmm. uh, which I kind of really enjoyed. More of a kind of luxury feel, like the European style, and yep. instead of the kind of teeny boxy like S14s yes. and. 350Zs was still kind of the, the Japanese side of it and I just didn't really fit in them to be honest yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was in the bigger kind of Euro style cars I had a bit more room mm-hmm. um, my G35 was kind of my baby for a long time I kept it for quite a while um, I dropped a bit of money so in. Is that, a, that was the it was an import Skyline it's yeah that was the yep, yep so that was a 350GT yep. um, Pearl White had an all debadged just had some you know wide profile Roll guards, like mm-hmm. big 21s, uh, 22, sorry. Uh, no, 20s on that. But exhausts, you know, took cool all the badges off, black, blacked it out, you know, big black wheels. It was really nice. It was really smooth. It wasn't, you know, dickish look at me like I'm an absolute asshole. Yeah. But it was just really clean and um, nicely lowered, um, little kind of pitch angle at the front. So it just sat real nice. And it was a really nice car for probably three or four years. Um, and then I actually had a car accident yeah. and the gentleman to, I had third party at the time, I renewed my policy and I actually realized that I did third party over the phone and I didn't do full comp oh, I renewed no. it. and a gentleman cut me off. I swerved, hit another car, called up, claimed it. They're like, mm, no, you, your full, your full comp is, is not covered anymore. Like you renewed oh, it man. a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, what, when? No, what? 
and they did a third party, third party foreign theft. So that was the end of that. The, uh, the girl had to go, and I was yeah probably twenty five thousand out of pocket because I made an absolute idiotic mistake and not paying attention <laughs> over the phone. One of those wanted, life mistakes. When I wanted to kind of get the call over and done with, I rushed it and just get it done. Yep, that'll, that'll do. Yep, no worries. Just the same as last time. Do yep, do this. Yeah. Um, so foolishly made that mistake. Okay, so in, in terms of your bikes, what are you what are you riding? Um, currently, uh, there's a MV Agusta uh, mm-hmm. on its way here on a truck, literally okay. as we speak. Right. Arrives Saturday, um, so I'm really excited to that. That's a F3, um, pearl white, just custom exhaust, nothing crazy, just really clean, nice bike. Um, I've also got a RMZ 250 um, dirt bike, which I mm-hmm. currently try and take out. Um, through the parks, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of track riding. We'll, we'll kind of start in the off season once I. Uh, and back to health. And then I have a custom Street Fighter ZX10 Turbo, about 275 horsepower, um, which is pretty mental. You know, extended seven inch extended swing arm, 240 rear, like this thing's wicked, blows power slides and smoke all day long. So right. um, it's actually getting its mass and engineers report done at the moment. That's so a lot of horsepower in a car, let alone a motorbike. Yeah, so it's actually gonna be street legal um, okay. in a couple of weeks. So still take it out. I had another ZX10 2008, but all I did was, you know, do the old sort of flop the place over. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about that. So we, we rode both bikes. Let's put it that way. So um, it, was, it was great fun. So in turn, you like you said, you like to do something as well as you can. So you do get out there, sort of rider training, track days, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've only done a, probably two track days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a few uh, rider safe courses and yeah. just refreshes, stuff like that. Um, you can never be. You can never play outside your comfort zone with yeah. something that can kill you. Yeah. And people always teeter on the line, and that's great. But all you need is an unexpected rock, mm. a stick, you know, a, a half wet line from maybe yeah. someone's car leaking a bit of oil or fluid. And the white lines, as everyone knows, on motorbikes are very dangerous. So, yeah. you know, for me, I do try and go out of my way to, to make sure I'm riding and uh, get out to, to tracks if I can. Um, it is very hard with my schedule and the time yeah. that I actually do have at the moment. But um, yeah, it's something I, I do try and teeter on that line a little bit to try and push my skills. But uh, I've got some really close friends that are actually professional stunt riders and yeah, okay. um, you know, we go on group rides and stuff like that. So, so you've got plenty of people to ask for tips. So yeah, I, I always do try and make sure um, I'm trying to get in their ear and make you know make the most of our time together when we're out riding. Um, and at the end of the day, like even though you are learning to stunt and you are learning to do different things, you are learning how to be in control whilst being yeah. out of control. And then when you are riding just every day to and from work in the city, you don't have any issues. You're not worried about it. If you need to pivot and swerve out of the way and yeah. lock up both brakes or your front end heavy or whatever it might be, or you just, you know, pull on the back brake, it's fine. Like yeah. you got no issues. You can kind of slide your way around out of a situation. And it's happened a few times, obviously. Um, yeah, right. So yeah, you have to be kind of diligent on your bike and aware as everyone knows, but uh, I, I won't be I won't be mediocre or anything if I'm going to do it I'm going to really apply myself that's good uh, is there much of a culture like in the NBL guys with cars bikes or are you sort of more of an outlier a little bit um, I think with all the extra stuff that I do I'm very different I think people are very focused on being the right person to the community and mm-hmm. to the public via what is deemed normal yeah okay so me skydiving and you know I've only done about 50 jumps but um, you know the indoor skydiving I do three times a week I've done seven or eight hours of training in there which is quite a lot 
But in terms of the people that have skydived 10,000 times, that's nothing. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm very much a believer that, you know, whatever you put into it, you get out of it. So I, I try and be myself no matter what. If I'm skydiving, I'm skydiving. If I'm riding motorbikes, having fun, I can do that. And I let that come out to the people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be someone that's looked up to by kids or families or whoever it might be or appreciated by competitors. And they go, oh, Mitch was a good basketballer. And that's it. Yeah. Like I want to be, he was a character, he, you know, he lived his life, he enjoyed his time and that's what I wanted to be. So I think a lot of people uh, do have um, some of the, you know, the finer things and get to appreciate uh, cars and, you know, everything else, but I think they're very quiet about it at times. So You can um, kind of understand that as well because, I mean, if you are a public figure, you don't necessarily want, if you know, if player X... So mm-hmm. if he's got a gold Rolls Royce or something, then everyone's always going to know, and you know, you get a yeah. photographs or photos or whatever. So yeah, and like I, I've never. Been if you got a gold Rolls Royce, gold Rolls Royce, you're probably asking for it. You're so. probably asking for a little bit of attention. Yeah, um, you know, plates probably say dickheads. So. <laughs> um, now look, I look, I I don't really have a, a super flashy car or anything yeah. now. Like I, I drive a, a Range Rover Evoque, and yeah. you know, it's silver. Everything else has been blacked out. Lose ties, guards. We get your buzz, I suppose, in different ways, don't you? Yeah, so like it's a it's a really nice, clean car. It looks really sporty. It's been lowered a little bit. Like it's it's nice. Like it's really cool. It looks very different to every other range, you know, out on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I put time and effort into to just doing the smaller things. But um, you know, I know other guys that have got really nice cars. I do eventually want to kind of upgrade to a few other cars. Um, so I'll kind of see how it goes. But um, I think for me my lifestyle and what I you know want to be able to enjoy um, isn't showing off my materialistic things it's about yeah. enjoying and appreciating the fact that well, I didn't come from much at all yeah. really didn't you know, we were in some government style housing and we, we were moved around quite a lot um, we had 20 acres we had to sell that up and then it set us back a little bit and we moved to another family home and my parents separated and, and got divorced and you know it was very I was moving a lot uh but at the same time, we had such a loving, amazing family and we didn't, you know, underappreciate anything. Yeah. We made sure that, you know, family meals or being able to have a little paddy bomb for a couple of hundred bucks was was there. Like, we weren't going out buying 20, 30, 50,000 cars. It like, was, you know, it was like, appreciated. You can have as much fun in the $200 oh, mate. in the right environment than you can in a $200,000. And, and look, trust me right now, I would much rather have, <laughs> you know, a $400... <laughs> Paddy basher yeah. with three of my mates in other three hundred dollar paddy <laughs> bashers, then you know drive a LFA Lexus yeah. and and be going sideways rounds you know Wind Park or Bathurst. Yeah. Like for me, the, the you know that farm and country lifestyle is, is is the pinnacle of fun. You know you run into each other, you can bowl over a fence, yeah. you can hit a tree, and it's, about the last. it's broken. Oh well, look, let's go and like do something so we can make some money so we can go buy another one. Yeah. you know that that was how we looked at it. So um, yeah, it was a pretty cool. Pretty cool ability to, to live that life. How was it when you went to the NBA? Because those guys are on a whole different level of, uh, let's call it, um, expendable income. <laughs> yeah. And there is a bit of that culture, like hip-hop culture. You know, they do like their toys. Some some guys do. Did you walk into the, you know, the first day you walk into the Brooklyn Nets training facility, is it just like a, a line of, you know, luxury dealership cars there? Or is it people are a bit more reserved? It was actually, I, I expected like, you know, LA rich and famous mm-hmm. like check out this like but if you've ever been to Brooklyn and, and especially out where we train mm-hmm. it's really industrial yeah okay it's sort of on like the port pretty much and it oversees the entire New York City skyline but it's really really beautiful there the roads are like you think SA roads 
are bad. The city of city of roadworks, not the city of churches. That's what I used to call Adelaide. Um, Melbourne, even at times, with the, with the traffic, people complain about it. That's nothing. Yeah, right. You had Adelaide shitty roads with Melbourne's shitty traffic. All of a sudden, you've got New York. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was pulled in. You know, there was more your Camaros, um, some of your Chargers, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, Porsches, more your big SUVs. You yeah. remember these guys are six six on yeah. average, probably to about seven foot. So guys don't fit in, you know, nine eleven G threes, Lambos, or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah, they don't fit in Ferraris or anything like that. Just doesn't happen. So look, you know, some people still had really nice cars. Um, I did. I was a, a massive fan of the the Challengers. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my teammates, uh, Demar Carroll, had a real nice Hellcat. Like yeah. this thing was gunmetal grey, so cool. pimped out, like it was all blacked out, a little bit of red tin on it, like in little places. It was like it was nasty, and this thing was like it basically was straight pipe. I was just like, oh, here he is. He's like, yeah. such a nice car. So, um, look, there's a lot of nice cars. Um, I suppose it would depend. Like Minnesota, when when you move, like you can't have a nice car there. It's under two foot of snow. Yeah, season, and it is, so. it's hard because you can't really afford to go out and, and buy a you know like a Lamborghini yeah. or a you know I suppose the guys Porsche. in LA it's always yeah nice. it's, it's beautiful weather you can have the top off yeah. so it is a very much a different lifestyle where you are but um, you know guys still had you know nice cars it was nothing like you said it was nothing crazy but um, look I went to New York and was over there and I knew I was there for a little bit and I went and bought a 2004 Mustang convertible and, <laughs> right. uh, all black one with some, yep. some old school like um, Oz Racing style wheels yeah, like it was you know, for me it was cool. It was a, you know, it was a V6, but it was just something I was like, I want to drive a Ford, like an old school Ford Mustang in America. Yeah, I want to own one, so yeah. I can say I own one. Uh, I do like, love my classic cars. Yep. Uh, the idea is to have a nice four wheel drive, a really nice sports car, mm-hmm. um, and you know, probably one or two old muscle cars. So what's on the so what's on the wish list? What if you know, like you say, for your lifestyle, you don't necessarily want something just to have it. Mm. What's on the wish list? What would you have? Uh, I would go an Australian muscle car. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go like a Tirana. Yep. Um, All the Ford fans just switched big, off now. Yeah, so. big, 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 uh, big grumbly V8, yeah. like big block, um, big fatties on the back. Mm-hmm. Like, one, you sit there and you kind of in your chair, bumping it in, it goes bump, 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 bump. <laughs> you hear that? That's what I want, just something like that. I don't want clean cut paint. Yeah. Nice job. I want a driver. Not a I want driver. something that I can, you know, sandblast back, and it's this, this is wear and tear. Yeah, you know, she's she's weathered a little bit, but you patch panel everything you need to. You do a little bit of body work, and then you you kind of sand it back to its original sunburnt days, rustic look. Coming off the clear coat that yeah. You'd have a bit of mechanical clear coat that yeah, a little bit. Um, well, know, not afraid to get I'd have a out. I'd have a nice um, front and rear end, like something that can drive nice, suspension wheels, tires. Mm-hmm. You know what it sits on is obviously brand new, but the shell itself. Yeah, I'd really like to have you know your old school look. So I'd have a Tirana in that sense. Um, the other one, I'd probably go like a Chevy Nova, something like that. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. Um, 
I don't know, man. There's so many cars that I'd really like to have. I'd love to have like a fastback or a, a Mustang, um, like an old school, maybe yeah, sixty seven, sixty nine. Yeah. Um, can't go wrong, you know. Yeah. Classic. Um, but look, I'm I am more of a newer age feel on your classic car. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really going to drive an old school restored to original, you know, sixty seven. I'd rather drive a like I said. New, yeah, modern new, engine, new, good suspension, new everything. Put the put the shell on top. So, uh, resto mod. Yeah, big big fan of TV shows like um, Fast and Loud, mm-hmm. uh, Gas Monkey Garage. I got to actually meet, uh, you know, meet him in, in America. I was at a, a Dallas eatery, and he like he, he walked in, and, yeah, right. And I was just, like, just oh my god, that's, that's Richard Rawlings. I was like, this is crazy. And I was with a couple of NBA guys, have a photo on my Instagram, and. I fangled the shit out of him. I was so nervous to go up and ask for a photo. And I was sitting there with That'd be my favorite to you. Oh, man, I was so nervous. Got a photo and he was just like, who the hell is this weird yeah. guy? Like, He's this massive guy, though. So, yeah, it was really cool. But, yeah, shows like that really inspired me to one day pick up the tools and, and really um, get cracking at learning more about cars and how they work inside and out. Beauty. So... What's next? What's next? You know, sadly got a knee brace on at the moment. You're a little bit under the weather, but um, you had that taste of the NBA lifestyle. But you got a cool gig at the moment. What's what, what's the goal for Mitch Creek in the next couple of years? Um, I want to get back to the NBA. Uh, we had an opportunity to go back there after the season. Obviously, that's kind of delayed at the moment, but it's something that we do want to get back to. That's the ultimate goal. Yep. Um, the Olympics is the next, or is the biggest one for me. But excuse me, that's probably the one that's next on the radar. Yep. Um, Olympics is around. October this year, obviously. So that for me is where my eyes are set on getting healthy, getting right for that, having the ability to go and make a make a statement and, and put selectors in the position to go. You know what? Yeah, he's 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 really making a case for himself. So um, you know, you know, healthy mind, healthy body, going in there, and remain healthy, and and just enjoy my time there. So it's a privilege anytime you even get invited to a camp or even selected, you know, for anything that says Australian boomers. So yeah. Um, it's something I'm really honoured and, and very um, you got the confidence proud. now that you've beaten them yeah I'm very proud so I know we can actually go out there I know I can be a part of, of, of that kind of team and, and really help so uh, I'm really excited for that um, but yeah the, them are the, those are the two for me um, set up you know my basketball career in those two aspects and then off the court um, continue to invest um, mm-hmm. uh, I've actually invested in a property at Open Corp yep. um, you know I met Justin Ellis here and uh, the big fella and I hit it off straight away and then over a couple of months we actually communicated about what I wanted and, and stuff and it just kind of came out naturally and I started investing um, through open court and property and never thought I'd do it never thought I'd be able to and yeah. it's really cool that I have but um, yeah continue to set up um, business on the side we're about to launch another business mm-hmm. um, as well with one of my good friends um, so yeah it's about trying to set up a little bit of residual income set up for life after basketball as yeah. well because I want to be able to have the ability to to sample cars, to go and buy, have a little slush fund. I can go in, you know, have a car for six months, sell it, get another one, and you know, continue to work that way. So, look, there's a few things on the horizon. Um, for me, that's kind of my life and, and career goals um, for the next probably five or six years, um, and then we'll just chip away and see how we go and try and um, try and see if we can attain those goals. No worries. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been awesome to chat to you. And yeah, best of luck and everybody get out to a South East Melbourne Phoenix game, cheer on Mitch and his teammates and uh, good luck for the future. No worries. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it.